Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. All Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone. A place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. You can't trap on Windy Mountain because the white ghost travels there. Some say that it's a yeti, it's the white color of its hair. Just like the dinosaurs, he should have died off long ago. But the will to survive has kept him alive in Alaska's frozen snows. And welcome back. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Online, Exxon at ExxonRadioTV.com. All social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And for the broadcast schedule of the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern. Right here on the Talk Star Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and the Exxon Broadcast Network and Simul Radio. Wow. We're going down to Arizona now where we're going to be speaking to the members of the Arizona Paranormal Activity Team. Joining us is Gary Balls, who is the um, gentleman behind it. And then Eric. Uh, Eric, you're going to have to say your name. I don't want to slaughter it. It's uh, Eric Bohat. All righty. And uh, first of all, gentlemen, welcome to the X-Zone. Nice talking to you in Arizona. Uh, and uh, before we started talking on air, I asked you about, you know, the COVID situation down there. And, and has the COVID situation actually taken a bite out of the investigations that you and your team do, Gary? Yeah, it has actually. Uh, it, it was hard enough to find places to begin with to mm-hmm. investigate, um, but with this COVID, it's pretty much shut us down for the past year. So, when you guys are out there doing the investigations, um, what kind of investigations do you do? Uh, we do anything from uh, abandoned hospitals mm-hmm. to museums. We've done a few residentials. Uh, We've also been to a few cemeteries as well. Yep. Now, uh, Gary, how did you get started in uh, doing what you're doing? Well, I've always been interested in the paranormal uh, to begin with. Mm -hmm. And um, about 15 years ago, I actually lost my daughter to leukemia. I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. 
um, she actually came to me one night while I was sleeping, mm-hmm. and uh, to me it was just a sign for her saying that everything was all right and she was good. Um, and that really got me in, in, interested in the paranormal. And how about you, Eric? Uh, so I think it was about uh, 2010. Um, just one night I was watching, you know, the Travel Channel and the Ghost Adventures was on. And I always felt like something was weird in that house anyway. So mm-hmm. that show really got me hooked onto it. And then um, so and Gary and I used to work together and we would kind of discuss the show and decided that, you know, maybe we'd want to investigate. So that's kind of how I got into it. Let's say I call you up and I say, hey, Gary and Eric, it's Rob. You know, I'm down here in Arizona staying at a hotel, and guys, I think it's haunted. How do you guys proceed with your investigation? Well, one of the things we do is is we try to do to uh, look up some background, some history on the area, if there's anything uh, that has been reported mm-hmm. in the past. Uh, then we will... Um, get with you it seems you're the person reporting it to us right. and do some questions with you and see what kind of experiences you've had and then set up a time to come in and investigate now what kind of equipment do you and your team use gary uh we use uh emf detectors we have our uh audio recorders uh we have night vision cameras uh, we have the spirit box. Um, those are those are our main go-to ones. Uh, we also use the mini mag flashlights. Why why with mini mags? Uh, we've gotten responses with them. What you do with them is you is because they have the twist top on them. They don't have a push button or right, anything like yeah. that. And and you will take in and twist the top so that the flashlight is just barely off. And we'll shake it around and stuff on camera to show people that it's, you know, vibrations aren't right. set at all. And then we will ask questions uh, to the spirits and try and get them to use the flashlight by turning it on and off. And we've actually gotten some very good responses with that. All right. So let me just uh, understand how this is done. You use the mag light that has the on-off as well as the intensity of the beam on the lens area, right? Correct, and that's one of the things we will actually do mm-hmm. is uh, we will ask the spirits if you know if they're there, if they want to make the light brighter, or if they want to make it dimmer, or just turn it off completely. And like I said, we've gotten some very good responses with that. How do you guys explain that a spirit that cannot be seen has no mass, has no density, has no visual body that you can see can actually turn something to a fact to a point where it makes the flashlight brighter or dimmer's light. How do you explain that? So my understanding of it and how I view it is spirits mm-hmm. uh, view as energy sources and um, you're correct and sometimes we can't see them. Some, some devices that we can, uh, that we use can see them such as the night vision or you know, the, the ultraviolet uh, flashlights and or cameras, but uh, they're an energy source nonetheless. And mm-hmm. if they can use that, their energy source, just to bridge that small, narrow gap between, you know, the battery and the filament, they could actually turn that on. And a lot of the times we'll go to the flashlight when we're at a new location and these spirits have not been yet communicated by, you know, paranormal team or, or anybody, I guess, 
I would say, on the living side. Right. Um, so to communicate using our devices could be challenging. Um, so whenever we pull out the flashlight mini mags, I feel like it's the easiest way for them to be able to, you know, give a yes or no answer. Or depending on how much energy they want to use to bridge that gap, they can make that light go brighter, dim, or even flicker. And a lot of it's pretty much as we ask if they can make it go brighter or dimmer. So I think it's just them using their energy um, that is them to, you know, bridge that gap of the, the battery and the filament. If they are energy, why do we need special equipment to see them at night? I think uh, it's just a, a thing with our eyes. Our eyes are able to see some of the, the different rays of, of light. Um, that's why sometimes they'll use those ultraviolet camera lenses. Right. Uh, and then even with the night vision, the night vision, you know, it brings it, it tries to harness as much light as possible. So I think that's why you'll, you see more stuff with the devices that we would use rather than our own eyes. Very interesting. Um, Gary, what is, what is the spirit box or the ghost box that you were talking about? The uh, spirit box is basically, it looks like a little transistor radio mm -hmm. and, uh, it scans through radio frequencies but it scans at a high rate of speed. So if we're scanning and we actually hit, say, like on a radio station, it doesn't stay on that frequency long enough to actually get a word um, from that radio station. So when we do get words that come across, usually they will come across on three, four, or five frequencies, and that's how uh, they, they think that the... The spirits um, use the white noise of the frequencies uh, to communicate with us. Okay, but if the if the if the scanning is done so fast that it doesn't stop at a radio station, which probably in your area I believe would be anywhere from ten thousand to fifty thousand watts, how is it that the equipment can stop and pick up the voice? It doesn't actually stop. It continues to scan. Oh, I see. Um, the only way it stops is if we stop it ourselves, but it continues to scan. So when we get a voice that comes across, it actually comes across on several frequencies uh, instead of stopping when we hear a voice. In the years that you folks have been uh, doing your investigations, by the way, how many years has it been? Well, we started in 2011, mm -hmm. so... We're coming up on, it was actually January 7th, 2011 was our first investigation at Vulture Mine in Arizona. Um, so we're coming up on 10 years. Well, congratulations, guys. To, to this date, what has been your most successful investigation? I would say our most successful would be uh, the museum up in Oracle. It, uh, it used to be an old tuberculosis resort. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was many things over the years, but um, we have been up there and investigated probably probably half a dozen times. And every time we've gone up there, we've gotten some kind of, of paranormal activity, whether it be voices or shadow figures. Um, at one point, we actually caught a, a white mist that uh, generated in one of the hospital rooms. And, and then disappeared. Um, so really, uh, that's in, in anytime we do an investigation where we take guests along, we usually mm -hmm. will go to that place just because of the fact that we do get a lot of activity up there at the museum. 
Let's go back to the premise where ghosts are energy. Why do they stay, let's say, for example, in this case, in the, in the hospital or the institution? Why don't they just go somewhere else? Well, it's the belief in the paranormal world that, that some of them don't even know that they have passed away. Uh, they may have passed away suddenly and, mm-hmm. and don't realize it. Um, some are just comfortable where they're at and they, they don't want to leave. Um, and then you can get to the dark side of things where there are entities that, that may not want to let these spirits leave. Do you believe that? I do actually. I do. I do. Um, I believe that the, the dark entities actually feed off of the energy from, from the good spirits. So how do you and your team protect yourselves from uh, having something attached to yourselves and bring it home with you? Like, oh, honey, look what I brought home. <laughs> we have actually, if we've gone into a place where we feel that there may be a dark energy or something like that, um, we will, as a team, we will say prayers uh, before and after the investigation. Mm-hmm. Um I myself, I, I wear a cross. Uh, I know a couple of the other team members do also. Um, but, yeah, we, when it comes to the dark energies, we try to avoid that as much as possible. We, we really don't want to deal with bringing anything home to our families or anything. So um, we do as much as we can to protect ourselves. And on top of all that, we, before we leave, we make it known that, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know how much this actually would actually protect us uh, more so than just, you know, drawing a line in the sand, for lack of a better term. Is, yeah. You know, we tell them, not allowed to follow us. Uh, please don't follow us home. You know, stay here where, where you're comfortable and whatnot. Something along those lines where we try to, like, make it known verbally out loud that uh, they're not welcome to come back with us. Got about a minute before I have to go for my first break. Uh, how haunted is Arizona? Um, I would say Arizona is probably one of the most haunted states in the United States. Uh, there isn't a single town in, in Arizona that mm-hmm. you can't go to, and, and there's some reports of some type of paranormal activity somewhere in the town. Interesting. So I, I would imagine yeah. that because of, uh, of Arizona's rich history, that uh, that has a lot to do with it as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like our very first investigation was Vulture Mine, which was an old uh, gold mine mm-hmm. uh, up by Wittenberg, Arizona, and uh, that it, it was actually one of our best investigations and what really got us hooked into uh, paranormal investigations. All right, gentlemen, please stand by. You and I have to take our first break. And Nation, if you'd like more information about the Arizona Paranormal Activity uh, team, visit them on Facebook. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, X-Zone at xzoneradiotv.com on all social media sites, TV, And to find out what's going on on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. And for the... Uh, for the programming we have on the Exxon TV channel, which is exclusive to Simul TV, visit simultv.com. I'm Rob McConnell. We'll be back. Don't go away.
Blackwater had a lift back in the swamp where strange green reptiles crawl. Snakes hang thick from the cypress trees like sausage on a smokehouse wall. Where the swamp is alive with a thousand eyes and all of them watching you. Stay off the track of Hattie Shack in the back of the black bayou. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I'm Rob McConnell. I'm joined by uh, Eric and Gary from the Arizona Paranormal Activity Team, and you can find out more about them uh, on Facebook. Just to kind of put in the search engine, Arizona Paranormal Activity Team. Hey, guys, thanks very much for joining us here on Halloween Month in the Exxon. Thanks for having us. Uh, okay, so Arizona's really rich in history. Um, I understand that there's a lot of mines out your way. Yeah, we've got everything gold to copper, silver. Um, yeah, you pretty much find anything out here. When you go in to do an investigation in a mine, is it any different than when you would go, if you would go into a home, or do the all the investigations still, or do they all follow a same format? Well, I think when we do a residential. It, they're, they're slightly different. With a residential, you're dealing with one or two people in the home that right. have experiences that you're mm-hmm. trying to get information from. And then when you go actually go to these mining towns in the mine, you have all this, you know, history, rich history from years and years that, you know, we kind of try to siphon through to find out the stories of these miners and the people that lived in these towns. So we get with the people like, like with Vulture Mine, we got with the the couple that actually ran the place and, you know, learn some of the history from them so that we're better equipped to, um, as we do the investigation throughout the night. It sounds like you and your team are rich historians as well. Not only do you cover the aspect of the paranormal during your investigation, but you actually investigate the history. And how important is that in better understanding the case you're working on? Well, I think it's very important when you're doing like some of the mining towns because you, as you learn the history, you learn some of the terminology and you can also get things that we call trigger uh, objects to help entice, um, you know, some some of the paranormal activity and some uh, responses back from the spirits. So, for example, we took um, we took a little tiny vial of like flaked gold when we were doing the vulture mine, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we use that as like, hey, I got some you know flaked gold here. If you want it, you just got to come out and ask for it. You know, and uh, that tends to really help when you start using trigger props and objects from that era or that's relevant to the spirits that may or may not be in that area or land. Have you ever had the the opportunity of actually speaking to a spirit without using any electronic devices? I cannot say that I've actually asked out loud mm-hmm. um, and got a response that I've heard, like an intelligent response back to me uh, without using something like the spirit box or the digital recorder. I, and that's not to say that I haven't heard um, disembodied voices, right. but to have an intelligent response back to one of my questions, I, I cannot say that I've had that happen. Have you ever seen a full-bodied apparition? With my own eyes, I have not seen a full-bodied op- uh, apparition, no. But I have seen like certain shadows that don't make sense down the hall. Mm-hmm. You know, when there's no light and there's a shadow 
uh, that's darker than the surrounding areas kind of move. But to, you know, a full body where your legs, arms, you know, and the head moving, I, I have not, unfortunately, seen that yet. If you actually go to our Facebook page, uh, you will see one of the photos that we took from Vulture Mine. It was actually the very first picture we took when we got there. And it was actually like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And you can actually see uh, two apparitions in the picture. Um, and for for us to get something during the day like that, that was, it was just amazing. And, and our, like I said, our very first picture, our very first investigation, it really blew us away. I guess it would. Why do you think these ghosts want to communicate? Or do paranormal investigators, just by their presence being at a location, do they? Do you guys entice the spirit to communicate? I believe so. Uh, when we do our investigations up at Oracle at the museum, mm-hmm. we actually, it usually takes about an hour, hour and a half or so before we start getting any type of communication. Um so it's, I think, I think what really helps is familiarity. Um, we, we've been up there enough times that the spirits are familiar with us. Um, that's one of the reasons residential uh, investigations are hard to do because the spirits there are, are familiar with the, the people that are living there. But mm-hmm. when you have strangers come in, uh, they may not be so eager to show themselves. Um, and I believe that the spirits want to communicate with us, um, if anything, maybe to understand what's happening to them. And if I could touch on that, I, I think it gives them, you know, a feeling of life again, a feeling of, of maybe warmth um, that they may be seeking. And then maybe that's why they're still, you know, entrapped in wherever they're right. entrapped at, whatever location it may be. You were saying that uh, sometimes it can take up to an hour and a half for the activity to start. Why, why would it take that long? Why wouldn't it be instantaneously since they're there and you're there? Well, I think, um, especially when it's a new area, usually when we, when we go to a new area, such mm-hmm. as uh, the Oracle Historical Society Museum that was that tuberculosis resort, yeah. I, I think it's the familiarity of the, having new people in there, and especially when the spirits have never been communicated with before, I think they're... they're maybe a learning curve on how they can communicate and it, it's new to them like it is new to us on how to use these de- these devices our electronic devices to relay their messages you know back and forth between us and them do you do you form a relationship with any of the spirits i believe we do uh like i said uh when we do up at up at oracle mm-hmm. uh eric and i have both had our names uh called out either on the digital recorders or on the spirit box. Um, so it, it makes you feel like that there's a personal connection there. Do you find that there's more spiritual or ghost activity when it comes to the Halloween era? No, I think that's a stigma. I think it just that feeds into the spooky aspect uh-huh. of just spirits in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the spirits come out at night, per se, on Halloween or in the month of October. Uh, why is it that paranormal investigations, ghost hunting, is, is done at night and not during the day? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with with the quietness of it, for one thing. Um, if you're trying to get uh, 
voice phenomena for mm-hmm. spirits, it's pretty hard to pick up during the day when there's a lot of activity going on and, and noises around you. Um, so I think that's mainly why it's done done, done at night. Um, that and the, and the types of cameras that we use uh, as far as like the night vision and and the other types of cameras uh, work better at night. Would you say that based on your experience that the ghosts are in the location during the day as well as the night? Yeah, so we've kind of made it a point. So uh, when we first did the Oracle Historical Society, mm-hmm. uh, we did the investigation one night, and then the next week the society members, the board members, wanted us to come back and do an evidence presentation. So we did that, and we showed them what we what we had, and there was a woman there. She uh, she said her, her niece was writing uh, a book about paranormal and she kind of wanted our take upon it. And in that book, she talks about how um, spirits use thermal energy as long as electronics and stuff like that. So that kind of got us thinking like we should start our in- investigation in the day and run through the night. And like Gary mentioned, that picture that we took was about mm-hmm. three o'clock in the afternoon. And it, it's a full body, in my mind, apparition, not caught by our own eyes, but by our camera. So we, we do try to incorporate investigating during the day and we have heard um disembodied voices for example at the, the dodge phelps hospital in ajo we actually heard with our own ears during the day while we're setting up um two women or what it sounds like two women speaking down by the nurse's station right down from the room that we were setting up our you know our main hub now have you folks ever been called to uh to a new home or a new business to do an investigation or do the spirits just usually make themselves at home in a place that they're more familiar with, which could be much older. So we've been called anywhere from a little travel trailer all the way to a restaurant, um, which wasn't a new build restaurant, but Mm -hmm. it was new to the owners. Um, So I, I think like in regards to the, the travel trailer, for example, that what we would determine is that the spirit or entity is attached to some kind of personal uh, prize object that the people that own that place are, are continuing to carry with them, or it's attached just to one of them in general, like maybe being a family member or whatnot. And then with the restaurant being an older building in, uh, in Apache Junction, Arizona, it could just be, you know, those spirits passing through or just they spent most of their time in that one area or in that building. So, I mean, it really varies. And we kind of try to figure those questions out as our investigation carries on. Speaking about uh, Native Americans, when you're doing the investigation, uh, have you ever been called to a location where there is allegedly activity being caused by a Native American? No, we haven't haven't dealt with anything like that yet. Um, it's actually if it's if it's on the reservation itself, it's actually very difficult to do any type of investigation unless they invite us in, um, because you usually have to get permission from from the council right. uh, to do type of investigations on the reservations. How much does one's own personal philosophical or religious beliefs play in either the part of the person who's having the experience or the people doing the investigation? Well, I I think um, there's some people out there that they can clearly see and hear and feel something's going on Mm -hmm. and they, they choose to turn a blind eye to it. 
because maybe they don't want to believe or they just don't believe and like they just they don't pay any attention to it uh, to where there's people that really believe and they go out searching for it they try to get a good understanding of what's happening why it's happening who's making it happening and the history behind you know that individual entity Hmm. Have you ever had an experience where the haunting is being caused by a child that's crossed over? Um, I was actually one of our team members, my, my son actually, uh, and I, and his friend had gone out to Adamsville Cemetery. And there are quite a few uh, uh, children's graves out there. Mm-hmm. And we were standing next to one of the graves, and it wasn't one of the children's, but we were standing one, by one of the other ones. <clears throat> and from the direction of the children's grave, uh, we actually heard a little girl uh, laughing. And we actually heard that with our own ears. It wasn't oh on the digital recorder or anything like that. So um, that was actually a, it was it was a nice experience to be able to capture that with our own ears, but yet it's kind of a sad experience because there's a child still there. That's right. All right, gentlemen, please stand by. We've got to take our break at the bottom of the hour for the news. And Exonation, if you'd like to find out more about Gary and Eric and about their team, visit their Facebook page, Arizona Paranormal Activity Team. On Facebook, once again, it's Arizona Paranormal Activity Team. This is the Exxon. We're celebrating Halloween all month this, uh, this year. We decided that there's so much interest in the paranormal, things that go bump in the night, that we decided to dedicate the entire month to the people who go out there, like Eric and Gary, and who try to make sense and to try and, you know, do the research, the investigation, to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is more to this world that we live in than we really understand or even want to accept. And once again, if you'd like to visit their Facebook page, Arizona Paranormal Activity Team. I'll be back on the other side of this news break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget, COVID is running rampant in the province of Ontario and Quebec. Health officials and government officials say you have to wear a mask in public places. And social distancing is in effect. Law enforcement has the authority to enforce it, fine you, or even put you in jail. I'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away.
And welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I've got the members, a couple of members from the Arizona Paranormal Activity team on the show this hour. Gary and Eric are with us. And uh, guys, thanks very much for joining us. It's very interesting to hear about the, the investigations that you've done. And why do, you th- why do you think that there are people who go on tours, ghost tours, ghost walks, uh, in, in whether it's the historical areas or not, You'll have people who will experience something, and yet the people beside them may experience nothing. How do you guys explain that as experts? Well, we uh, had a situation where we uh, were in a cemetery, Mm -hmm. and we walked through one area, and as we walked through there, Eric got his jacket tugged on, and... He didn't really think anything of it at first, and then we went through, and we got to the end of the walk, and we turned around and came back. Mm-hmm. In the exact same spot, I had what sounded like somebody whisper in my ear, and this was in the winter, so there were no bugs or anything like that flying around, so it was pretty evident what it was, but it was in the exact same spot that Eric got his, his jacket tugged. So I, I don't know if it's the spirits can sense... Um, if one person is a little more receptive than, than another, and that's why they try to communicate, or if it's just a random occurrence. What are some of the, the, the results that you see that people have when they're on an investigation with you, and this is the first time that they may have an encounter with something that they just can't explain? Well, we had our we can actually go back to our very first investigation and um, two of of the guys that we worked with uh, had also joined us and they were both non-believers. They, they just absolutely did not believe in spirits. And to them, it was kind of a joke that we were going. Mm -hmm. And this was the same instance where Eric was talking about the, the gold flakes that we were using as a trigger object. Um, when we used that trigger object, we actually had about five footsteps come into the middle of the room where we were sitting, and you could hear on the digital recorder the surprise and just, I, don't, I wouldn't say fear, but just surprise in, in the voices of the two guys that were with us that were not believers. But by the time we left that night, they, they definitely believed. Um, so... That was probably one of our best experiences. Now, now you, you said you heard footsteps. Are we talking about bare feet, or are we talking about someone wearing work boots or cowboy boots? Uh, well, we were in a, in a, it was actually the bordello mm. uh, of, the, of the town. Right. And it had, had the wooden floors, and it sounded like somebody with hard-soled shoes. Could have been cowboy boots, or, or back then even the women wore shoes with with hard soles on them. And uh, that's what it, that's what it sounded like. Somebody with hard-soled shoes walking right into the room with us. How would you explain to somebody listening tonight who may just be interested enough to want to follow through and find out more about what? paranormal investigations are how would you explain to them what you're looking for well i mean i guess it depends on the individual person on what they actually want to find if, mm-hmm. if they just want to do it for fun or if they actually want to get into it and you know seek these answers that a lot of us are seeking 
for themselves. So, uh, well, what answers? It, 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 what answers are you guys seeking? I really w would like to get solidified proof of you know that these spirits are really there, and I believe that they are. But just to be able to capture it to show other people that. You know, these spirits are still here. Mm -hmm. They have a story to tell. There's a reason why they're, they're still here. And I think uh, we can learn a lot about that, a, a lot about the afterlife and, and how our bodies and the energies in our souls, um, what happens when we do pass. How close do you think we're, we are to getting some of those answers? Um, I think we're actually pretty close. It's there is so much technology out there that is, that has popped up in the last ten years mm -hmm. uh, since we've been investigating. Um, a lot of these big teams, the ones you see on TV and stuff, um, they're constantly looking for new types of equipment to to show the proof of the spirits and and what happens in the afterlife. Based on the work that you've done based on the people that you've spoken to. What is your hypothesis? What is the connection? What, what is the missing link? Um, well, I, I think it's a case-by-case -case basis uh, based on, you know, the spirit and entity mm -hmm. in itself. So, like, if you're at a hospital um, and, and say – you know, just hypothetical, a, a patient goes into a hospital, they slip into a coma, and, and then they, they pass. Well, they might not know that they've actually passed. They're waking up in this hospital, and it's almost like they're stuck in, in a purgatory to where maybe there's, a, you know, a house that, that a man and his wife built, and they put, you know, everything they had in this house. They, they, they grew together in this house. They grew old, and they died in this house, and that's just where they want to stay. That's just where they want to be. So I, I think it's that comes in, um, that's where the investigation side comes in. And, you know, you try to figure out why they're here, mm -hmm. what they're doing, if you can help them move on, or even if they want to move on, or if it's just something that's like a residual hunt, something that, you know, like a time lapse. So it, let's say, for example, let, yeah, let's use the example that you used, the man and the woman who built the house, and they were comfortable there. Mm -hmm. Do you think that... If new owners take over that house, that in all fairness, someone should exercise those people out of that house that they live in, would this not be a little disrespectful to them? Well, I think in a case like that, it, it all depends on the spirits that are there. Um, mm -hmm. if, if the spirits are, are not harming anyone, they're not causing any problems, anything like that, then I, I think it's something that, that the new homeowners could obviously live with. Eric and I have both had, lived in houses where we've had spirits in the houses, and um, they, they've never caused any problems for right. us, so we just let them, let them be as they were. Um, but if, if it's a spirit that, let's say, for an example, somebody was actually murdered in the house, and you know, that might be an angry spirit and may cause problems, then, yeah, you might want to have somebody come in and exercise the house or uh, or sage the house, something like that. Yeah, but um, you, you guys are but, cool. You guys are really cool guys. You're like, you do this. You know, you're pros at this. But I'll tell you something. If I had a house that was haunted, I would not want spirits in here. And yet, after how you explained it, would... 
Would it be fair to exercise spirits from the house that they love? Where do you draw the line? Well, I think, uh, again, that would come down to the individual mm-hmm. homeowner and, you know, how much they really want to know about the, the people that lived in the house before them and yeah. why they're there. And if they're uh, malevolent or, and angry or if it's just like, you know, you hear a few steps in the middle of the night and that's, yeah. that's it. Or if you hear a lot of banging and stuff starting to break and, you know, your keys come up missing and, you know, you put them on the counter and they end up on the floor. I think it all really just depends on your mindset of it and how fearful you are of, I guess, the unknown in your own home. Let's, uh, let's, this is for uh, Gary. Gary, what is the strangest thing that has happened to you personally during one of your investigations? Uh, the strangest thing, one of the things that when we were up at Oracle uh, at the museum, mm-hmm. uh, we were actually in one in the hospital room, and we had the door closed. Now, now, granted, this is an old building. I mean, to and it's a wood building, so the doors don't really close all that well. You have to you have to force them close, things like that. And we were sitting in this room, and we were doing the investigation. And I was sitting right next to the door, and all of a sudden the door popped wide open. I mean, I looked over and out the door expecting somebody to be standing there, but there was nobody standing there. So it it kind of freaked me out, but it was kind of a cool experience at the same time. All right, Eric, how about you? So I was in a Dodge Felt Hospital in Ajo. We were in what they call the recovery room. Mm -hmm. So that's one it's right down the hall. It's one door room down from the uh, the operating room, and they called it the recovery room because most of the women that just gave uh, gave birth they would go in there for a few hours. Uh, so we were in that room, and it was a really heavy feeling in that room. And um, the investigators that are listening, they'll understand that you know certain areas and certain locations, rooms, hallways, you know, kitchens and basements or whatnot, they all have a different feeling as you step into them. So when you step into this this in particular in the recovery room, it was very heavy, almost. It almost had like a sad feeling mm. into it. So I'm sitting on the ground and I'm asking, you know, a few questions, um, asking, and it, and I don't know exactly why I do this, but I was, I'm talking to as if I'm talking to a woman that's already in the room, and I'm asking, how are you doing? You know, how's how's your baby? And as I'm holding my recorder in between my thumb and my index finger, and I'm just holding it out, kind of away from my body, and I'm sitting on the ground, something tapped the recorder and it totally spun in my hand, almost knocked it completely out of my hand. Um, but that was probably one of the more interesting moments that I've had as an investigator. Gary, to you, what would be the, 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 the absolute proof that you would need in order to confirm to the world that goes surreal? Well, I, I would say it would definitely have to be that something that we have on video. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I can sit here all night long and tell you that they're real and that I've seen them and that I've heard them and things like that. But until I have the actual proof to show somebody, and not just, and to me, it's not just showing an apparition. Like I said, we've got the picture with two apparitions yeah. in it. You know, people can sit and debunk those all they want. And, but to have an actual apparition on video that actually somehow interacts with us. 
either acknowledges that we're there or even speaks to us, you know, something along yeah. those lines. I think that would be the absolute proof. But then again, you know, you're still going to have your naysayers and your doubters that, that try and debunk it no matter what. How do you deal with skeptics? We like to bring them along. To There's their an mind. idea. You know, through, through their own experiences like we did in our, in our first investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems to be the best way and the only way. Yeah, like Gary was just saying, you can tell people all day about your experiences, but it's, it's kind of like the seeing is believing without seeing. You can still feel and, and, and hear things uh, for yourself being in those situations. And I, I think that's the best way, because even if you show them a video, there's always like, oh, it's Photoshopped or it's right. this, it's editing, so on and so forth. And mm-hmm. you, you put them out there in those situations, you can make a believer real quick with their own experiences. All right, gentlemen, please stand by. We have to take our final break. Thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to join us here. I thoroughly enjoy your conversation. And explanation. if you'd like to find out more about uh, Gary and... Eric and the, let me see, Arizona Paranormal Activity Team, visit them on Facebook. We'll be back as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Also, don't forget Exxon Nation, uh, especially for people here in Canada, with the Thanksgiving Day celebrations being canceled because of the increase of uh, COVID cases, in particularly in Ontario and Quebec. You know, Use Zoom. Pick up something called a telephone. You don't have to be away from your family. There are ways of doing it. Love will go through whatever. You can and will get through this. We all will together. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. Gary and Eric from uh, Arizona Paranormal Activity Team are with us, and you can find out all about these guys on their Facebook page, Arizona Paranormal Activity Team. Um, First of all, guys, thanks so much for joining us tonight. It's been a great pleasure talking to you, and I wish you guys continued success. And uh, because, you know, the more people that we have out there looking, the sooner the answers will be brought forth. And, um, you know, I was talking to Dr. Jim Horan earlier tonight, and, and he equated what the paranormal groups like yourself do is is nothing short of what the amateur astronomers do. And junior astronomers are credited with making a number of discoveries. So I, I can't wait until, you know, you guys get the evidence you're looking for and uh, share it with the world. Speaking about Halloween, how did you, how do you guys celebrate Halloween out there in, uh, in Arizona? Uh, well, I actually... For me, it was it was 
kind of a fun holiday. Um, it's actually one of my favorites. It was also my mom's birthday. Oh. So we would uh, usually have a birthday party and a Halloween party at the same time. So uh, we've never gone out and done any investigations on Halloween, uh, although this Halloween probably would have been perfect for it since we got the full moon and yeah. and everything else. But um, usually it's a stay-at-home type of holiday. It's funny, your, your mom's birthday is on Halloween. My granddaughter's birthday is on Halloween, and her name is Olivia Salem. Hmm. Figure that one out. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I used to joke around that every time I walked by a church with her, you know, the you know, the thing used to vibrate and you could feel the earth moving. But, uh, she, <laughs> but she's grown up now, and, and uh, she's turned into a wonderful young lady like her mom. Um, the paranormal is, is such a vast word. For that covers many, many, many different um, uh, categories. Do you think that the quest for proof of ghost is related to other aspects of the paranormal? Do you think that you're all looking for the same thing? You're all looking for proof? Yeah, I would say definitely. Um, you know, for, for those that believe in 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 uh, alien life, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I would have to totally agree with, with them. Uh, just the fact that it w- we would be so self-centered to think that we are the only beings in this whole vast universe. Um, and same way with the paranormal. I mean, it, it would be self-centered to think that we're the only ones here. Hmm. If you guys could go any place to do an investigation, where would it be? Oh, man, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, All right, get, give, me, me, uh, give me your top three. Uh, for me, it would probably be uh, Penhurst, uh, the, the Hellfire Caves, and um, um, and it would have been Linda Vista. But, uh, those three, Linda Vista's not there anymore, I don't believe. All right, and how about uh, for, me, for me, it would be uh, the Queen Mary, mm. um, probably Penhurst also, and pretty much any of the asylums that they have on the East Coast. I would just love to go out to the East Coast and, and spend as much time out there and, and investigate as I could. I understand you guys were part of a TV show that was filmed. What was it like? That was like a dream come true almost for me because it's what got me into the paranormal. Like mm-hmm. I started watching Ghost Adventures and, you know, Zach, Aaron, and Nick. At the time, it was those three. Um, so to, to actually be able to, like, film with them and then even have a brief moment of investigating with them, it was it was pretty surreal. It was awesome. It was almost paranormal. <laughs> Where did you guys do your investigation? We did it at uh, the Dodge Phelps Hospital down in Ajo, mm-hmm. Arizona. It's uh, it's a hospital that that uh, closed when they closed the mine. Uh, the mine was actually right across the street from the hospital, and the mining company owned the hospital. So when they closed the mine, they closed the hospital at the same time. Oh. People listening to us tonight, you guys, you guys are great. You've got great energy, great vibe. You, you know. You know exactly what you're talking about, and they're saying, hmm, I'd like to do that. What advice do you have 
for the novice coming on board who wants to be a paranormal investigator and maybe one day have their own very te- uh, their own very team? Well, I would say uh, one of the best things they could do is try and get in touch with a paranormal team that is in their area mm-hmm. and see if they do uh, guest investigations and, and go along with a, a team that maybe has all the equipment um, because uh, I'll be honest, the equipment that we do have, it gets a little spendy uh, going into it. Um, but to see if they really want to get into something like this, get with another team and, and just investigate with them. And if they don't want to do that, all you really need is a, a digital recorder and go to some place like we've gone to the Adamsville Cemetery that's open to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and just go in there and ask questions and, and see if you catch anything. How about you, Eric? Any words of wisdom? Um, I would say just make sure that it's something that you really want to do. If, if if you're just looking for like a scare or a spook, a good time, you know, do the ghost hunts that, you know, some companies run and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you really want to, you know, have some questions answered of your own, I mean, yeah, the, the more the merrier out there to help us, you know, get the answers that we're all seeking. Uh, I would just say that just make sure your heart and mind's in the right place when you do it and, and be safe, be knowledgeable of where you're going and, um, and be respectful of the spirits and, and the location where you're at. I don't imagine that many people understand that when you and the members of your team go out there, you're spending your own money. You're buying your own equipment. It's, it's, you know, this is a dedicated um, pastime, and, and I hate to use pastime. I don't know what other word to use at this time. How do you guys... Yeah, it's, it's, go on. It's, it's not like uh, everybody sees on the TV shows mm-hmm. where everybody's just got all the equipment and stuff like that. Um, we have, over the years, we have just... Uh, each of us from the team has, has bought new equipment and and it all becomes team equipment when we do it um and some of the places that we go to investigate will actually charge us to investigate you're kidding um no no it's it's with all these tv shows and everything that have come out now uh they're looking to make a buck off of it and uh some of the places that we'd like to investigate like the bird cage theater right. tombstone or the yuma territorial prison um they want and unbelievable amount of money just to investigate how much money do they want um i believe it was the birdcage theater wanted like a hundred bucks an hour for the team and i believe it was yuma territorial prison wanted like fifty dollars an hour per person and we had to have a million dollar insurance policy on the team this is getting ridiculous yeah, yeah, that's why it's getting harder and harder to find places to investigate. That's why we're always welcome uh, people. If they want to let us know about places that they mm-hmm. know of, they can contact us on our Facebook page. Um, or if they have a uh, location like their own house or something like that, uh, we, like I said, we definitely do residentials. So, you know, we're open to anything. Uh, we just like to get out there and, and do the investigations. I, I find it I find it so so disgusting that these places are charging you folks because they see an opportunity. This is in my in my books. This is all wrong. Right. You know, and you got to your your TV shows and stuff like uh, 
one of the places down in, in Bisbee, Arizona, mm-hmm. there's the Copper Queen Hotel and the TV show that we were on, uh, they had investigated down there and I talked to the people down there and they said that, yeah, they, they had the backing of the travel channel. So they rented out the entire hotel. Hmm. So a place like that where we would like to investigate more than likely, we're not going to get a lot of investigation done just because we don't have the funding that, that these TV shows have. You know, that, that is sad. That, this really bothers me. You know, you people, you're not backed by the, the Travel Channel or any other network. You do it for passion, not for pay. Correct. Mm. If, we, if we have people that'll, that'll call us or message us or something like that, they want us to do a residential investigation. And um, a lot of times I've, they've, I've had them ask, you know, how much do you guys charge? So we don't charge anything. We do, we do this for our own passion. That's commendable, guys. Really commendable. Listen, we've got about three and a half minutes before you and I have to say so long for tonight. Uh, again, thanks very much for coming on the show, and I hope that uh, you and, you know, both of you, Gary and Eric, will come on again in the future and uh, share some more of the stories uh, from Arizona. But right now, what would you like to share with the, the members of the Worldwide Exxon Nation tonight? Um, just kind of like we already went over it. If, you, if you're interested in going out there and, and helping out the search for the answers, you mm-hmm. know, jump right into it. Just do it with the right... Uh, right uh, mind and uh, heart set when you're doing it and be safe and um, you know together the more people we have out there searching for these answers the quicker we find something that I heard from I'm sorry Gary or Eric yeah I'd I'd just like to add um, the other thing is and this is just with the paranormal investigations this is with everything in life just Mm -hmm. just have an open mind Um, that really opens up your life to a lot of Excuse me. A lot of different uh, avenues. How many members are there to your team, all told? We have uh, six members on our team. Uh, there's Eric and myself. Mm-hmm. We're the co-founders of the team, and then we have uh, Tina Garcia, Chris, and Tiffany Loomis, and then my son Seth Thunderhawk. Well, do me a favor, please give them my very best and uh, thank them for the work that they do too. Any final thoughts? Uh, just, uh, thanks for having us on. Yeah. Oh, thanks for having us. Uh, thanks for giving us the opportunity to maybe open some people's minds and, and maybe we'll get a few more people out there investigating. Well, I hope so. And if there's anything we can do to help you guys out, please let me know. Before we go, uh, I've heard one or two groups complain that information is not shared with other paranormal groups. Uh, you know, the evidence, the findings, is this common where everybody wants to keep what they find close-knit? Well, I think that, I mean, everybody wants to have that one piece of evidence that mm-hmm. they, you know, answer the question. But there are actual websites out there and forums and communities where it is a shared space for you to share your, your information, your evidence, and your thoughts and practices with each other. Um, and we've been known, and we've done it quite a few times, if we investigate somewhere where another group's investigated, we'll actually reach out to them and ask them, you know, what they've experienced, what they've done. And uh, they've always been really friendly. So it's just about it's just about actually just reaching out to your community, get on the social media and whatnot, and find these forums and groups, and 
and we're all willing to help each other out from what I've, I've experienced so far. Excellent. Well, guys, it's that time where you and I have to say so long for tonight. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I look, the show. I look forward to the next time you join us. And uh, just keep the great work up. And if you come across anything thrilling, exciting, give me a call. Love to have you back on. Thank you. We will. Thank Good you. night, guys. Take care. All right, Exo Nation, if you'd like to find out more about Eric and uh, Gary and the rest of the gang at the Arizona Paranormal Activity Team, visit them on Facebook. All right, here it is, another Halloween in the Exxon. I'll be back on the other side as we continue talking about ghosts, hauntings, witches, things that go bump in the night. And I'm not talking about my producer, Craig, after he fills up on chicken wings. I'm Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern. Don't go away. Mm-hmm.